Dodd Network News. Where we give you a new perspective. On events happening in our world today. This is GNN. Network News, Episode 14. Welcome GNN fans to another episode of God Network News. Today we've got a great uh, interview with Josie from Afghanistan that's been working in Afghanistan. Welcome Josie to the program. Thanks, good to be here. Josie, you've uh, worked in Afghanistan for four years now, is it? Four and a half years. Four and a half years. And, uh, you know, we hear all kinds of things about uh, Afghanistan. Most of them are pretty bad. You know, I think uh, people have a very strange view of Afghanistan that isn't really realistic, you know, because all we know is what we hear in the news or CNN, which I call crisis network news. You know, can you tell us a little bit what Afghanistan is really like? Afghanistan isn't like what you see on the news. The in my first week in Afghanistan, I had the opportunity to go into provinces. And I remember we drove through this valley and there was all camels grazing everywhere. It looked like a scene out of Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah. Felt like I'd gone back into biblical times. People living in mud houses made of mud and straw and wow. oases in different places. It's not like what's on the news. It's totally different. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think when people think of Afghanistan, they, they think of one or two things. They either think of, you know, bombed out buildings everywhere and, you know, turned over cars, smoking and fire coming out of them and people running everywhere, you know, bombs going off everywhere all the time. Or they think, you know, maybe of, you know, turban wearing people on a camel with a Kalashnikov in their hand, you know, or something like this, you know. But you've seen kind of a different side of Afghanistan, and I'm just wondering if you can share a little bit about that with us. That may be people's view, but the Afghanistan I know, it's a really friendly people, and mm. they'll look after you. One time I was crossing the border into Afghanistan from a neighboring country, mm-hmm. and I was unable to go from the border town because there was a problem in another town. I didn't need to worry that... The Afghan taxi driver offered to take me home to stay with his family. He said, I've got a wife and seven kids and my sister lives with me. And I went back. They looked after me and I spent the night there. They only had two rooms. They were living in actually a a wrecked warehouse. that They'd just taken a quarter of it and they made their home there. They fed me. They looked after me. So very hospitable people. Very hospitable people. And um, we were talking earlier about, uh, you know, what life is like, you know, what kind of things do they have there. And you had mentioned to me that they even have shops in Kabul where they sell iPods and things. (laughs) Yeah, there's a new shopping center in Kabul and it has, you can buy iPods, accessories. They're very much into movies. It used to be VCDs, now it's DVDs. They like and music to, and things like that. You were telling, mu- yeah, yeah, music, um, yeah. Because when the Taliban were there, there was no music allowed. And one man that I worked with, he said it was like um, there was just darkness. His soul, he said, his soul died because there was no music. Wow. Yeah, they kind of killed the culture that was there. Yeah, the only music allowed was the um, 
tabla or yeah, drum tone? The drum for um, weddings. That was the only oh. music allowed. And dancing is very much a part of Afghan weddings. Yeah, you were also. Music. Yeah, you were mentioning also that they have iPods and uh, MP3 players and things yeah. like that. Yeah, if anyone has the ability, then they, yeah, they have music and they have it blaring out. All it's over very, the place. Yeah, it's very much a part of um, life. Yeah. And they like uh, Indian film music. I I've heard. Yeah, Bollywood is really in they. People watch um, Bollywood movies all the time and they get the soundtracks. You get whole shops just selling that sort of music. So audiovisual is really something that they use quite a bit, even though yeah. we would think of them as kind of quite primitive peoples. No, even in villages, people have a TV that will run off a 12-volt battery and they'll get a VCD player and be playing music. They yeah. even have, like somebody in the village will get a satellite set up so they can get hook up with satellite TV. And they get probably get channels. better TV than we do here. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Probably more choices. Yeah, that's right. Well, you also were mentioning that uh, when you first went to Afghanistan, you were working up in the north. Can you tell us a little bit about your work up there and what the people are like up there? I was working with a non-government organization involved in development. The one thing about Afghanistan is the people have never been conquered from the outside. Mm. And there's different tribal groups, Uzbeks, Turkmens, Tajik, Pashtu. They all tend to live in their own little villages with not not mixing between the two. So there, if you go to a Turkmen village, it's totally different from being in an Uzbek village. Mm. They have different customs, different way they they do things. Wow. So they kind of need a little bit different approach to reaching out to them, maybe? But as a female, it's possible to go into anybody's house or anybody's home. You're not restricted entry at all. So as men, you know, if you were a worker there, you have some limitations? Yeah. As a single guy, you only ever get shown to the visitor's room. It doesn't matter where you are. Most people have a room or a, if it's a village, they'll have on the outside wall, they'll have a place where men are entertained. And mm. the only way you can get into, to be introduced to the whole family is if you're related to the family or if you have a very special relationship and they know you. And so you're saying, in a sense, women have a much greater opportunity to reach the whole family. Yeah, for women it's an open door because you can just go right in, sit down and wow. start drinking tea and talking with people. Amazing. And nobody will nobody will ever stop you. Wow, that's great. That makes that makes the work pretty good for uh for ladies then. Yeah, and we worked in a village once and some guys did a survey and they came back they were looking at um sanitation and water because we were drilling wells and they came back and said, "Oh, nobody in the village has a latrine." And and I was like, oh. But I went, and every house in the village had a latrine, but you had to enter in to the family compound to see where it was. And, of course, <laughs> they were always only in the men's place where men were entertained. Oh, my So goodness. for them, they thought, oh, you know, this. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. You know, just think of how many of these kind of surveys have been sent back to the UN or something like that, you know, yeah, saying, hey, these guys don't have... And yet it was a cultural thing that was blocking them from being able to find out the information. Yeah, I was right in the north at this very small place on the border with Turkmenistan and we were staying in the governor's little guest house and the ladies were allowed to go into the compound and use the toilet inside there. It was the long drive. But the men, there was nowhere for them and they had to find their own way. <laughs> oh, so. goodness. 
Wow, it sounds like it's a, a ladies' world Afghanistan. <laughs> well, to get into houses, it's a ladies' world for oh, sure. Well, that's interesting. That's pretty exciting. So, what kind of uh, work did you do while you were up there in the the uh, Turkmen village up in the north? We went in by working with families, getting to know them, and mm. then we did training for the ladies in the village that delivered babies. This is amazing because no one in this this village had ever been to school. Mm. or being educated and we took a book along a very simple book that showed you know like how a baby was made and then the delivery and everything mm -hmm. and these ladies that had delivered babies in the village for years were just like absolutely amazed they'd never wow. seen anything like that and they actually learnt the whole book off page by page wow because it showed them things that they didn't know yeah, one of the things we did was give them hygiene kits so that when the woman had a delivery, she would have, you know, a clean razor blade, cord to cut the cord, soap to wash the hands. And it's just it was great to go back and see them using those things when there was a newborn. Wow, that's great. Now, uh, just for our audience here, our listeners, your main purpose, you know, for going to Afghanistan really is to share the love of Jesus, but also to meet the needs of people. Uh, I remember talking to you and uh, you had mentioned that most of the time you don't have to actually preach the gospel to someone or lead them to the Lord or whatever. They come to you and ask you. Uh, can you mention a little bit about that or maybe give an example? Yeah, someone that we're working with, one of our employees, because everything we do, we relate back to the Bible, what we do. So we don't swear at our employers. Um, we care for them because we want to just um, serve them as, as Jesus would have served them. And they've come back and asked, this is not the same for our friends working for these other organizations. Why are you different? And it's given opportunity to, to share what we believe in. Yeah. And, um, and I, yeah, along with that, we had a lady that worked with us. And we showed her showed the Jesus film and she's with us for a while and she was involved in just everyday life it comes up things okay why do we do this because it's in the Bible or we do this because we care for people mm. we don't bribe people because that's not a good way to go and mm. this lady she we gave her a Bible and she read it and she came and asked she said okay now I'm oh, she said I'm a believer and I've been a believer ever since I saw that movie she said, but now I want to be baptized because I've read in the New Testament about people being baptized. Wow, that's neat. So they actually come to you. Because sometimes missionaries are, are in, or Christian workers are in situations where they can't actually be really overt in terms of proselytizing or, you know, leading someone to Christ or whatever. And so this is kind of an example of you just living out your Christian walk and people coming to you and say, hey, what you've got, we, we want. And there's even opportunities with dealing with government officials or other organizations when they ask us why you do something. We say, well, we do it this because we're believers and we follow the Bible and this is the way that it would be done. You know, especially when it comes to paying bribes or just doing things in the right way and the way we treat people. We, yeah, we base it all on the Bible and it's okay to say that. I've yeah. said that, you know, I've had officials ask me, well, you know, why are you doing this? Well, because I'm a believer and I follow what's in the book. That's good. Yeah, and they respect that. And they respect yeah. that and they don't have a, a problem with that. That's amazing. That's really exciting. Now, you also mentioned to me that you went back to Kabul 
And uh, while you're in Kabul, something happened that was pretty life-changing for you, in a, in a sense. Uh, do you want to talk about that? Tell us that story. Yeah, and it really illustrates an Afghanistan that people don't know. I was out in the city on the day that there were riots in, in Kabul. I was driving, I was by myself, and I wasn't able to return to where I lived because all the streets began to be closed off. So I was looking for a place to park my car off the road and I parked in one place off the road and mm. someone kind of said, no, you can't stay there, this is a mm. bank. Wow. And I was like, well, where do I go? And he's like, go to the US Embassy. I said, I'm not US citizen, they won't <laughs> let me in, especially driving this old bomb. So somebody else came over from a restaurant and they said to me, look, you can park your car beside our restaurant and we'll let you come in. And so I went, parked the car, went inside, and they were talking to me, and, and they said, don't worry, because there were riots, demonstrations happening all over Kabul. He said, don't worry, we have a room in the back. And he said, we won't let anyone um, get to you. And he's saying, you know, when people are in a crowd like that, they don't care whether you're a foreigner or whether you're Afghan. They just are out to do bad things. Yeah. So, so I'm there in the restaurant. I had something to eat. And then the police came. And said, oh, you have to move your car. It's not safe at, at the side of the restaurant. So I went out and I moved it to the back of the restaurant. And I came back in. And as I was going back in, they're locking up the restaurant with chains. Oh so I get back goodness. in. Yeah. And I'm <laughs> sitting in there and the guy's like, okay, you can stay here now. But you might have to shift into the ver this very back room. So we're there for a while. And then he said, okay, now you have to go in the back room because they're coming. Demonstrations were caused because there'd been a motor accident mm. and some people were killed. Yeah, they just went all over the city. And so I went into the very back room and he's talking to me and he's like, he's saying, we don't want this in Afghanistan, what's happening, these people, we just want to do business, you know, he's got a restaurant. But he said, don't worry, we'll look after you. Mm. And then we started to hear noise and he's like, oh, they're coming. So um, there's not much electricity in Kabul. So he turned off the gas light and I could hear the sounds of a crowd coming that got noisier and noisier so I was sitting on a chair and I crawled all my way back to the end of the the room and crouching on the floor in the dark and it was yeah it was very very noisy and then so they had actually those kind of protective shutter metal doors that they had pulled down or no, they something just, that no, they, had, they just locked it they with just a chain. locked it all up yeah, and I had gone, this room they were talking about was a place where you could dine privately. Mm -hmm. It's an Afghan thing, you have family rooms. Oh, and I see. It was right out the back, mm. and so it was like in the dark because you couldn't see anything. Mm. So I was on the floor. And then I, then I heard they started to break down the door, mm. and all I could hear was the sound of, you know, like boom, boom, and all this noise, and I was like, if they get in here, I, I would be like a rat cornered, nowhere to go. Yeah, yeah. And then it went on for about 10 minutes, and then there was all this gunshot, and it just went quiet. Oh, really? Gunshots? Yeah, like they fired. Gun. The Afghan National Army came and just fired on everybody Whoa. to get rid of them and disperse the crowd. Mm. And then they went away. And then they so, went away. <laughs> oh, my. That's a pretty scary situation. Yeah, so I've been around for a long time. That's the scariest I felt because there was nowhere to go. That was the last room and there wasn't a back door or anywhere to escape out of. So if they'd broken in, yeah. That would have been bad. That would have been yeah, bad because yeah. they were looking for, for foreigners to yeah. kill. 
because it was Americans, I guess, some soldiers that had run over someone or something like that. Yeah, and they truck were kind that of ran over. Exacting revenge. Yeah. yeah. And the way the convoys drive in Kabul, they, you have to get out of their way. Yeah. They me. just take the middle of the road and they don't care about anybody. Mm. Yeah, it's a bad situation. Um, but there. even in that situation, yeah. the Afghans like, don't worry, I'll look after you. Yeah. You're a guest in my country. Yeah. I'll protect you. And... So even though it was a bad thing happening, the average, the normal Afghan was out to look after you. Yeah, that's great. That's really unconditional love yeah. there, isn't it? Well, you're going to be returning to Afghanistan, and I know you shared with me you have a real heart to reach the women there. Sounds like female missionaries are the most effective yeah. in Afghanistan, <laughs> for what you've been sharing. You had mentioned some things that you want to do, some ideas you have. Can you share those with us? I believe if you educate a woman, you educate a family, and you can influence a nation. And being female, I have really access to families. So I want to, to start up a creative enterprise where I'd go into villages, take pictures of families because they love to have pictures but there's no way they can get copies mm. and do it within family groups take pictures and then sell them the pictures and that will give me an end to the families and then right. introduce other media things healthcare teachings biblical teachings on dvds or vcds so they can watch them in their home and right. just yeah, they're open for the whole audio-visual experience. So that's kind of a tool, the audio-visual, the media is sort of a vehicle that you're feeling like, you know, something could be really used as a tool to reach out to Afghans. They can get the Word of God and principles through those tools. Most of them are illiterate, so to bring right. them up to a place in literacy where they could actually read the Bible or read stories is going to take a couple of generations. Yeah. But this go right in. They all listen to the radio, the BBC and, and the news channels. That's how they get their information. So wow. if we can give them the right information, because most of them only know what they're told. They believe... The BBC. Wow, really? That's... Yeah, they listen to the um, broadcasts in a different language. Yeah, because, yeah, they listen to the BBC. And it's like they consider it to be the truth. So if wow. we can have other things that they listen to so they can learn because they just don't have any opportunity mm. to learn. Mm. And I think you had mentioned to me that the Internet is, is actually getting into Afghanistan too and some cyber cafes and things. And... Yeah, obviously in Kabul there's lots of Internet cafes and in other places but in the rural places they don't have access to that but mm. they want to have access they want to be able to communicate with their family outside in other countries wow so yeah. that could be a means too to be yeah. reaching into yeah into the and Afghans. i would like to see websites up where afghan women could tell their stories about what's happened to them wow and, um, that'd be great what their life is like so people could see that you know they're just people that have been caught up in, in war and turmoil and what they want is for their children to be able to grow up, be able to be educated, get jobs, and look after their families. Yeah. Four and a half years, I haven't met any Afghans that um, that don't want anything more than that. They yeah. want to be able to, you know, have jobs and get money to support their families, get married, have medical care. Yeah, that's great. Because usually the kind of people we hear about are the jihadists, you know, the Taliban or the the troublemakers, but. By far the majority of 
people just want peace and they they want their families yeah. to be able to grow in peace and it's that's really why even in Kabul when they there was a couple of kidnappings in Kabul the Afghan people made the kidnappers give up the the hostages because they said we don't want this in Afghanistan we're not interested in kidnappings and even Wow. You know, there's yeah, there's a few bombings. You know, it's happening. It's increasing. It's mostly people from outside Afghanistan. Mm. The Afghans that I talk to are not happy with it, and they don't like that. They don't yeah. like that that's happening. They don't like that outsiders are coming in and causing that that problem. Right. Wow, it's pretty exciting uh, what uh, you're doing there in Afghanistan and what you're wanting to do. We'll certainly be praying for you. And asking the Lord to send a bunch of people to to come and work with you. You're interested in people coming to, to help I'm out as well. I'm interested in people coming. Yeah, that's and great. And maybe we can get our own Afghan podcast up so we can report that, oh, on that'd be awesome. what's happening in Afghanistan. Yeah, we can do that. We can do that. We can help you through GNN maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, this is pretty exciting. And something we can see that the Lord is doing kind of a whole new type of mission work. Mm. And it's really been good having you on CalCast. Hope that God leads you and provides for you and, and uh, that your vision uh, to reach the women, especially in Afghanistan, will be realized. Thanks. Yeah, thank you very much for coming on CalCast. No problem. What you're doing